Gone is a podcast about people who have gone missing from the United States and Canada. These people are daughters, sons, sisters, and aunties. They didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something. I'm Janelle Feller. And I'm Katie Nordby. These are the stories of Johnny Renee White and Allison Watterson. The majority of my research uh, for this story comes from the Charlie Project website. In 1998, Johnny Renee White was 16 years old and living with her mom, Delilah Jean Bond, in Kodiak, Alaska. Johnny had dropped out of Wasilla High School, but was looking for a job so that she could move in with her boyfriend. Johnny's diary spoke of her hope for their relationship and her future. Johnny didn't drink and only occasionally smoked marijuana. Kodiak is one of seven villages on Kodiak Island. It has a population of around 6,000. Kodiak is just 4.9 square miles. The per capita income is $21,522. And the largest industry is commercial fishing, followed by tourism. Johnny was hired to babysit for Sharon Dawson Rekaglo. She had babysit her four-year-old child before. Rekaglo and her then-boyfriend, Roland Scott Tennyson, were going to go to the Kodiak Music Festival and use Johnny as their designated driver and babysitter. The four of them set up camp near Mile 9 on Passig Shack Bay Road. The music festival was a huge summer event and the campsite was full. Passig Shack River Recreation Site is a 25-acre park with a small campground and access to some of the island's best fishing. It is about 40 miles north of Kodiak. Tennyson told authorities that he and Johnny went to gather firewood from the beach area around midnight on July 19th. His four-wheel drive pickup got stuck near the narrow Cape area, three or four miles from their campsite. He stated that he and Johnny decided to sleep inside the vehicle since they were not dressed for the cool weather, which is an average low of 48 degrees in July. It seems a little odd that they had to go that far away to get wood when this is a big park. It's, it it, it's a small like... park. It, the, the park itself is, I mean, 25 acres, but it has a small campground. Sure. It has lots of access to, to um, you'd think. Yeah, it just seems a little odd that they had to go that far. At midnight. At midnight. Do we, do we know when the actual festival was? Was it on July? No. Okay. No. We don't know that it was on that day no. necessarily. Okay. <clears throat> But it's that they went out at midnight, yeah. which you should be done with the need for firewood. But he reported that they went to sleep around 4 a.m. And I, I just want to say that that's also weird. It is weird. Um, they left at midnight. This happened. This is this is around 4 a.m. Um, seems like you could have walked back to the campsite right. by then. But when Tennyson woke the next morning at 10 a.m., Johnny was gone. He assumed that she had walked back to the campsite. Rekaglo contacted the authorities that night when Tennyson and Johnny failed to return. The officials had launched a search by the time that Tennyson arrived back at the campsite. The Kodiak Island Search and Rescue, Alaska Search and Rescue Dogs, Alaska State Fish and Wildlife Protection, and others searched the open, grassy, sandy, brushy area near Narrow Cape. The Coast Guard flew two helicopters using an infrared 
heat detecting device over the area. They searched Tennyson's truck and the area that he said that he had gotten stuck. They found fire marks in the sand, but no firewood in the truck bed. And they never said whether or not there was indication that he was stuck. Huh. Um, well, nor, right. So nor he wakes did, up and then he just drives to the campsite. How did he get stuck? At 10 a.m. Right. Unstuck? Right. Right. It doesn't indicate anywhere yeah. that he was stuck. No blood or semen were found in the truck or on Tennyson, and no drugs or alcohol were found. In July 2000, Johnny was declared dead. There was no physical evidence linking anyone to her case. So this is just two years later. In 2001, Johnny's mom sued Rekaglow and Tennyson for wrongful death. Rekaglow was found liable for Johnny's presumed death in June of 2003. Tennyson did not defend himself against the suit, citing his right against self-incrimination. The judge ruled that Rekaglow, 33, and Tennyson, 33, would have to pay Johnny's mom $1.5 million each in damages. Neither Tennyson nor Rekaglow were charged with wrongdoing in Johnny's death. The judgment awarded to Johnny's mom, uh, uh, sorry, the judgment awarded to Johnny's mom included interest, attorney fees, and additional costs. It is very unlikely that Johnny's mom will ever receive any of this money. Johnny Renee White went missing when she was 16 years old. She would be 38 years old today. She is a Caucasian female, 5'3 and 105 pounds. She has red-brown hair and brown eyes. She was wearing black stretch pants, blue and black cut-off t-shirt with the image of the planet Earth on the front, and black sandals. She has a mole and a tattoo near her navel. If you have any information about the disappearance of Johnny Renee White, contact the Alaska State Troopers at 907-225-5118. That is just upsetting. So, so many things are just so wrong with, about with their story. story. About what happened that night, about... I, I don't... I mean, we don't live in Alaska. I live in the middle of town. And I can walk to my backyard and get firewood if I absolutely needed it. You could find firewood within a block of your Absolutely. house. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you're in the middle of nowhere, Alaska, and you have to drive three or four miles to get firewood seems fishy in the first place. Well, it does. And then to go get firewood at midnight. Yeah. And then um, to go to sleep around four o'clock. So... When I was when I was researching this, it made me think about. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, and I did a lot of babysitting. Um, I remember taking babysitters training when I was in uh, fifth or sixth grade. Um, so what, eleven or twelve sure. years old? Mm-hmm. And I babysat a lot. And I can honestly say. That some of the scariest incidences of, you know, um, sexual assault happened to me uh, when the male partner drove me home afterward. Yeah. I can cite four incidents in which I, I was very concerned that I was going to be raped. And this is, again, ranging from the ages of, I probably, 12 to 18. Sure. Um, and the older I got, it didn't get less scary. Yeah. It actually got, in some cases, worse. Um, 
in every case, in those four cases, he had been drinking. Sure. Um, and uh, I was dependent on him for a ride home. And as I, as I did this story and I thought of what it would be like to be this 16-year-old in that environment, um, that's what went through my mind. Right. Um, that's what went through my mind. And all the behavior was inappropriate. Yeah. Um, the Reka Glow, she had, she had responsibility towards that child because she had brought her with. Right. Um, to babysit her four-year-old. Um, she, she did have responsibility in that. Yeah. I don't know that that doesn't necessarily, I don't know that we can always know what somebody else is capable of. Right. Right. Well, and especially if, if Johnny had babysat this child before, she right. was probably familiar with this man. Yep. You know, she probably had no reason to maybe think otherwise. Right. But again, the fact that he even asked her to go get firewood at midnight is just weird. It's weird. Why? You're a grown man. Why do you need a 16-year-old to help you with firewood four miles away from camp? Right. And then never gather it. Right. Gather enough to make a fire. But not enough to take back with you. Right. And then the next day at 10 a.m., because um, Glow had, had called the police that night, which yeah. was the proper thing to right. do. Right, yep. Because uh, it, it could be very dangerous, just depending on where you're at um, and what's happened. But, yeah. Um, and she probably had no reason to think, you know. She may not have. However, if, however, I would say that she does have some responsibility. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that she knew, she knew what he was capable of. Because I can, I can guarantee that the wives or girlfriends of those four individuals that assaulted me as their babysitter, they didn't. Right. They didn't know. Right. And I didn't tell. Which, by telling, at least somebody would have known and maybe could have prevented something else happening to someone else down the road. Yeah. But that's how it works. And I, I guess I don't know that I'm different than anybody else. Um, um, but uh, when I really think about it, some of the scariest situations happened when he gave me a ride home. Not when I was um, consuming alcohol myself as a, as a young adult in a bar or in any other situation. The scariest events happened near my home, my parents' home, um, with somebody I'd been babysitting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that there's probably many ways that both of those individuals can keep their resources from ever going to the mother. However, um, good for her for going through all of that. Absolutely. Painful. Yeah. Just to say, I know that you're responsible. Yep. And and it's been determined that you have responsibility in the this missing life. Right. Well, it feels a little bit like justice. Yeah. Just a just a tiny little bit that somebody was held accountable. Yeah. And what the part mm-hmm. that bothers me in that will is is just that while they were found found uh, responsible enough to pay these this this 1.5 million dollar adjustment or a uh, settlement is that they'll never have to pay a dime if they manage their resources right. in a certain way 
and you just, you know, you don't own any property or you don't own anything and that's kind of a that's kind of a crappy deal. But yeah, it is. Um, yeah. So that's a, a story of Johnny Renee White. In December 2019, 20-year-old Allison Watterson was living at home with her mom and brother in Hillsboro, Oregon. Hillsboro is the fifth largest city in Oregon with a population of 108,000. Allison was in between jobs and was planning on traveling with friends over the next year. She had recently reconnected with an old high school friend, 21-year-old Ben Garland, and they had been dating for a few months. On Friday, December 20th, 2019, Allison left to hang out with friends. She was in good spirits and told her mom she loved her and they would talk soon. On, sa on Saturday, Allison responded to a text from her mom and said she was in the North Plains area with Ben and that they were visiting a friend who lived in the area. That was the last time her mom would hear from her. She sent a text to Allison on Sunday, but there was no response. By Monday, she began to worry and started reaching out to Allison's friends, but no one seemed to know where she was. The last time that Allison was seen was by a homeowner on Sunday, December 22nd, in the North Plains area of Old Pumpkin Ridge Road. She and Ben knocked on a homeowner's door and asked to use a phone because their vehicle had broken down. Ben was only wearing socks and had given Allison his shoes because she lost hers. They used the phone and left. On Monday, the 23rd, a different homeowner found Ben sleeping in the homeowner's truck. He had sought refuge from the rain the night before. The homeowner gave Ben a ride, a ride to his father's home. So that's a whole day different? Right. Okay. So Sunday, um, a, a homeowner saw them because they asked to use the phone. Mm -hmm. And then Monday, a different homeowner found Ben sleeping in his truck. Okay. Ben told his father that him and Allison had gotten separated and he didn't know where she was. I don't understand that. I don't either. Um... They were on foot. Right. And I don't understand why he was sleeping in a truck if they had a vehicle that was near that house. Right. And they could have, been, they could have stayed in there and gotten out of the rain. You'd think. So Ben and his dad went out searching in the area that she was last seen. They were initially concerned about calling the authorities because Ben had outstanding warrants for his arrest. Well, ben, that's kind of an important... Do you know why? What his arrests were for? Um, it, from what I could find, it was like credit card fraud or... Check forgery or okay. it, theft. Okay. Um, yeah. Ben's father reported Allison missing at 5.30 p.m. on Monday, December 23rd, 30 hours after Allison was last seen. He told authorities that Allison and Ben were out hiking and they got separated. When authorities arrived to start searching for Allison, they found Ben and he was arrested on charges unrelated to Allison. The area that she was last seen in is heavily wooded, large bushes, steep hills, and no designated trails. It's mostly rural, private properties. Authorities do not believe that the couple were out hiking, and there was no broken-down vehicle. So the hiking theory came from Ben's father. Father, right. They spent the next four days searching over 1,600 acres of rural land near the old Pumpkin Ridge Road. They used drones, dogs, heat-sensing technology, and manpower to search the area with a fine-tooth comb. On day two, they found what they were calling interesting items, but they wouldn't say what they were. On day four, search and rescue teams from Washington County Sheriff's Office, Multnomah County Sheriff's Office, Clackamas County Sheriff's Office, and Columbia County Sheriff's Office were helping with the search, but nothing else was found. The active search for Allison was then called off. 
Do you know what the weather is like in Oregon in December? Um, I think from what I gathered, it was rainy. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. And rainy. Yeah. Okay. On January 8th, 2020, tips and new leads um, led them back to the, a wooded area off of Northwest Pumpkin Ridge Road. But it doesn't say what, if anything, was found. In March 2020, an anonymous tipster alerted authorities that he had seen something near Pumpkin Ridge Road. When the authorities searched the area, they found some of Allison's personal belongings in an open field. They wouldn't say what they found, but Allison's mom confirmed that they found her ID card and backpack. Allison had a cell phone, but it was Wi-Fi only, so it couldn't send out pings. A month before Allison went missing, her mom was given a phone by someone at the Reedsville Cafe in Hillsboro, where she worked. Her mom then gave the phone to Allison to use. Authorities are still looking for the original owner of the phone in the hopes that they can get the carrier information to try to track the phone down. Oh, no, because they didn't have that specific stuff. Because it, it basically wasn't set up as a regular as phone, and so a Wi-Fi-only phone can't send out pings because it doesn't have a, a service, basically, to it. Right, right. It's it's often what you give to little kids yeah, right. um, when they're just before they kind of get their own cell phone. And uh, because she didn't own it originally, it wasn't... Um, they didn't have the specific identifying information so that they could even access. Right. Wh- it wasn't where the phone it wasn't was. set up for them. Right. It was still basically right. this other So they didn't person. have that basic information. Right. The Washington County Sheriff's Office also asked for the public's help in finding a stolen truck that Ben and Allison were seen in before she went missing. Ben and Allison may have knocked on a door in the area that she was last seen around midnight on the night of December 22nd. They're asking for anyone who may have heard a knock to come forward. As recently as this week, um, June 9th, 2020, authorities were back out searching the area. As of today, they haven't said if anything has been found. Do you know what he was arrested for, that unrelated charge to Allison? It was unrelated because it was old warrants based on his other charges of theft and and those sort of things. Um, And from what what I could find, he... Um, is still in prison. He was sentenced to prison for three years based on those charges, not related to Allison's disappearance. Okay. Um, so he's still in he's still in jail at least, um, as far as I could tell. Mm-hmm. Allison Watterson is described as Caucasian, five seven and one hundred and twenty pounds. She has naturally brown hair, but it was dyed teal. She has blue eyes, and she was last seen wearing an orange and yellow hooded sweatshirt, black jeans, and brown boots. She was wearing a red backpack, which has been found. She has a tattoo of, a, of an eye on her left shoulder and a fairy with a spider web on her forearm. There's a, a $10,000 reward for information leading to her whereabouts. If you know anything about the disappearance of Allison Watterson, please call the Washington County Sheriff's Department at 503-629-0111 or Crime Stoppers at 503-846-2700. I don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm disgusted. Yeah. Um, so this individual, they, he picked her up in a stolen vehicle, or did they? No idea. I couldn't. I couldn't find where the stolen vehicle came from, or how they even got to where they were at. On purpose. I mean. They yeah, said, I couldn't find anything mm-hmm. that said you know somebody maybe dropped them off there, mm-hmm. or. 
I'm, I'm not really sure. Maybe the stolen vehicle is the one that broke down and they couldn't find it. The, the authorities couldn't find it. I'm not really sure how... And what were they doing in that area, that, that rural, you know, that, that area that was very densely... Right. Um, the area that they were in was very rural. It was, you know, heavily wooded, um, steep hills... This wouldn't have been somewhere that you would have gone hiking on purpose, necessarily, because there weren't designated trails for hiking. I mean, I suppose you could, but it wasn't like a hiking destination or right. um, something it's like December. that. It's December. Well, and It's rainy, it's wet, right. it's gross. It's cool. Yeah. Um, did Allison have any history of um, criminal behavior? Not that I'm not that I could find. Okay, not not to excuse that, but it seems as if um, the he's not very clean cut. Uh, he you know he's stealing a vehicle is, is a it feels like a big deal. Yeah, and then whatever issues had gotten him into trouble to begin with caused him to be you know in prison for three years. So kind of significant as a twenty one year old. Right. She may not have known about any of that. Yeah, I'm not sure. The mom um, didn't really allude to anything as far as her behavior. Um, you know, she was a good kid as far mm-hmm. as her mom said. Um, right. It didn't say that she had a, a history of running away or a history of being gone for very long or mm-hmm. anything like that. Even just being gone a couple of days had yeah. mom concerned. Yeah. Well, and, you know, she's she's 20 years old. Right. Um, but... Well, and it's just happened. I mean, it's it's, you know... It's seven months ago. Right. And if they didn't find anything in December where there wasn't leaves on the trees, and I, mean, I guess maybe there is an Oregon, I don't know, but where it would be now in the in summertime when it would be as lush as it would ever be, yeah, it's going to be harder to find. Well, and it seems odd to me that they all of these search teams searched 1,600 acres and they didn't find her backpack or her ID card until... You know, almost three months later, when a tip came in that, hey, I might have found something in this very open field, not hidden away, right near where you guys were searching. Huh. It just seems very odd. It just seems odd. Um, I'm not. I I have no clue what this area looks like. If maybe they concentrated their search one way and the backpack and stuff were found a very different way, I don't know. Or it's but, a gap in between. Yeah. Right. It right. just seems odd that, you know, all these people were out there searching and... In a red backpack. In an open field. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and I would say that that if it's a rural area, you know, if it's, if it's farming land, actually that land, you know, would have been gone over with a, a tractor, you know, for planting season or, you know, there's, there's things where people would have had an eye on... If there were remains in the area, uh, in a in the in the flat in the flat um, farmland, it would have been found. Right, right. Um, and it'll only become more difficult to find from this point forward. We ask that you do not reach out to the families or post names of possible suspects on social media. Missing person photos, along with information and articles used for these cases, can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com.
Okay, Katie, this week I have some weird facts for you. Okay. Um, did you know that children of identical twins are genetically siblings, not cousins? So, cousins whose parents are identical twins share 25% of their DNA instead of the usual 12.5, while full siblings share 50% of their DNA. Half siblings share 25%. That's why, though children of identical twins are legally cousins, they are genetically the equivalent of half siblings. That is crazy. So would you have to be uh, identical twins married to identical twins? No. Maybe. No, not if it's only 25%, probably. I don't know. That's weird. But That's crazy. It's genetic, genetically um, half-siblings. So, a giant tortoise thought to be extinct for 100 years was recently discovered in the Galapagos. What? Yes. Um, uh, because there had been a site of Fernandina, of the giant tortoise Fernandina, in more than 100 years, <laughs> scientists believed that we had lost... Um, the last of this creature ages ago. However, on February 2019, an adult female was spotted in the Galapagos. Scientists also found bite marks on nearby cacti that led them to suspect that there may be other tortoises in the area. Is that a tortoise? A tortoise? <laughs> I think it is. I don't it know, is. but I want <laughs> <laughs> uh, That there might be other Tortai in the area. Wow. Um, the director of the Giant Tortoise Restoration Initiative in the Galapagos, which I want to say, they're not doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't find this one. Where have you been for 100 years? <laughs> Where have you been? Um, uh, at the Galapagos Conservan Conservancy, uh, released a statement to find a living tortoise in Fernandina Island is perhaps the most important find of the century. Now we need to confirm the genetic origin of the female. Uh, she is old, but she is alive. Wow. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's amazing. Fernandina. The Goodyear blimp is the official bird of Redondo Beach, California. Like, why? And you just rolled your eyes. <laughs> it, I felt it. Um, the Goodyear blimp is, is, um, is technically not a bird. But that didn't stop Redondo Beach, California, a coastal city situated near the Blimp's home airport, um, to determine it in 1983 as its official bird. So this is somebody who's just got two, got more money than cents. <laughs> a cornflake in the shape of Illinois sold on eBay for $1,350. In 2008, two Virginia sisters found a cornflake that was shaped like the state of Illinois and sold it on eBay for $1,350. Monty Kerr, the owner of a trivia site in Austin, Texas, was the buyer. Uh, yeah. Why? Again, more money than cents. Well, at the time. Well, I usually just eat my food. Well, I don't stare at it to make shapes. Well, and... And he's from Texas. I mean, if it was... If you were... You found it. It was of Texas. You'd say, "Yay!" This is a. I don't know. I just, I, find I, it strange. I just eat it. I just. And if you would have lost. Shape, if I found a cornflake in the shape of Minnesota, cool, and just eat it. I mean, I don't what. You could have made a thousand three hundred fifty dollars. I mean, but how do you know somebody didn't just chisel it out of a cornflake? 
Well, I think it's very clear if there's some nibble, <laughs> little nibble bites around the corners, they might, I mean, you can't nibble like that. I suppose. You probably can't. So, <laughs> this is not a surprise to me. Squirrels are behind most power outages in the United States. Uh, the American Public Power Association says that squirrels are the most frequent cause of, of power outages in the United States. Um, they call it, <laughs> they have a data tracker called the Squirrel Index, which analyzes the patterns and timings of squirrels' impact on electrical power systems. Typically, um, the peak times for squirrel attacks are from <laughs> May to June and October to November. Oh, we're in a hot, we're in a hot time right now then. Yes. They I chew, believe it, though. They chew through electrical installation um, or become the current path between electrical conductors. Oh, no. Which is a terrible way to put that. Yeah. Which, but it's exactly what happens. So, uh, did you know that a cloud can ma- weigh more than one million pounds? Clouds are not as light and fluffy as they appear. They have found that a single cloud can weigh one... Sorry, researchers, and I don't know who... They are, but researchers have found that clouds can weigh 1.1 million pounds. How do they know? That's crazy. Uh, the, the number is calculated by taking the water density of the cloud and multiplying it by its volume. Fortunately, the cloud can still float at that weight because the air below it is even heavier. Wow. That's weird. That's weird. It's like flight. It's I like I know it's brain like, to think about that. I, I know that's supposed to work, and I know it does work, and I just don't know how. Yeah, I don't. And know I, I really don't care as long as it does. So the Apollo Eleven crew used hundreds of autographs as life insurance. Neil Armstrong and the Apollo Eleven crew faced the real chance that they wouldn't return from the moon safely, leaving their families without financial support. Due to the extreme danger that they were about to face, they couldn't take out life insurance policies. Instead, they signed hundreds of autographs, which their families would be able to sell if they didn't make it home. Wow. Luckily, those life insurance autographs weren't needed. They do, however, show up in space memorabilia auctions sometimes, selling for as much as $30,000. Wow. Huh. A hotel in New Orleans offered a $15,000 stay to whoever stole the most outrageous item from them. So in March two. 2019, the Roosevelt Hotel in New Orleans decided to celebrate its 125th anniversary by offering a free seven-night stay in its presidential suite, along with complimentary private dinners and spa treatments worth a whopping $15,000. This wasn't a standard giveaway. The prize was only available to the person who returned the most outrageous item ever stolen from the hotel. Very smart. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I wonder, apparently nobody returned it. Well, you would think that they would only offer that sort of reward if they had, like, top-notch security. Because Well, they just want the... But they but they have to return the item. Right. And, um... Well, but if you're caught stealing it, you can't then return it because you were caught. However, they also get the item back. Yeah. You know, so, um... <laughs> you know, the, and then all that, of a sudden you get arrested as soon as you bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, ice cube the ice cube oh, yeah. um, holder yeah <laughs> insulated <laughs> I don't think that'll cut it but no I mean, well, it's very wise because it it what would you what would have to be the weirdest thing the the most outrageous well I mean I think that people's a big planter or something I mean what what really is in a hotel that would be the the oddest thing to take a desk I mean a chandelier <laughs> I, I mean. 
Yeah, I mean, it would have to be something... I don't know. Yeah. It had to be something, you know, worth $15,000 at least. Right. And you're kind of be expecting it to be more. Yeah. Um, I, I try not to... I, I steal pens from everywhere I can because that's just my I've got I've got issues, but uh, um, I am too I have a guilty conscience and I can't steal one of that because I must confess that's what I feel like when I cross the border between United States and oh, Canada. Yeah. Um, I I uh, had a I had some soup at Tim Hortons <laughs> and I ate a donut and. Um, I have a Snickers that's half eaten, and in two thousand five, I <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I confess it all. I can. They didn't ask me right, what I ate. Right. What are you bringing back? And I'm thinking it's in my gut. I must confess. <laughs> Shakespeare's epitaph contains a curse for grave robbers. Robbers. When William Shakespeare died at fifty-two, I just want to say, I turned fifty-two this week. Okay. When did he die? In 1616. <laughs> okay. Uh, he was buried in a tomb that that featured an epitaph meant to warn off grave, grave robbers. Mm-hmm. Good friend, for Jesus' sake forbear, to dig the dust enclosed here. Blessed be the man that spares these stones, and cursed be he that moves my bones. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, at one point they were, people were robbing graves so that they could... You know, uh, do they could they could um, use the body to learn about how the body is is um, sure how the the um, the structure of the body or other things and so that for scientific research um, and it was a lot cheaper if you just rubbed the grave than if you bought one. Oh, I was thinking like people wanting like their possessions or their jewels or their things that they were buried with. I'm that just, could be I'm it. That could be. I'm just making that up. That could be it too. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't feel like digging up anybody's bones. I doesn't so you're fine with me. Bill, you're fine. You're good. You're good. <laughs> he was William Shakespeare. Maybe that would be very valuable to have I his suppose. bones. Um, did you know that the Queen owns all of the swans in England? Wow. According to British law, any unclaimed swan swimming in the open waters of England and Wales belong to the Queen. The law originates in medieval times when swan, swans were a delicacy for the wealthy, but it still stands today. Huh. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II also upholds, upholds a centuries-old tradition with the swans. Every year during the third week of July, all swans in the River Thames are counted for the Queen in a practice called swan-upping. <laughs> Uh, that's in the third week of July. Random. Weird. <laughs> so, uh, in 2005, a fortune cookie company once foretold the lottery, resulting in 110 winners. What? Yeah. It was just like, just happened just by chance. 2005, one Powerball drawing had a shocking 110 second place winners who all attributed their luck to a fortune cookie. Wow. The folks at Powerball were suspicious. Typically, there are just four or five second place winners. However, no foul play was involved. Wonton Food, Chinese fortune cookie distribution factory in Long Island City, happened to correctly foretell five of the six winning numbers. We were so excited. Uh, Ho Sing Lee, president of the cookie manufacturer, said at the time, 
Um, I didn't think that I, I knew that people took our lucky number seriously. <laughs> um, it didn't, sh it shows that they really do tell fortunes and we're happy for the people that benefited. Each of the winners took home between one hundred and five hundred thousand dollars, depending on how much they bet. Wow. Do you use your fortune cookies for to for lottery designation? I don't know, because I don't play the lottery. You know you can't win if you don't play. I know, I know. A hundred thousand dollars to five hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So, a woman with two uteruses gave birth to twins less than a month after having a baby. What? Yep. So, um... Did she know that she had two uteruses? I don't think so. Okay. She would have been a little more careful. <laughs> uh, so, one woman in Bangladesh who unexpectedly gave birth to twins in March 2019, less than one month after having a u another newborn... The circumstances came about because a woman had two uteruses and both were able to successfully carry the three healthy children to term. Wow. <sighs> wow. Surprise! <laughs> oh my God. That's crazy. Three children. That's crazy. Under one month. Ay. And uh, finally, in Louisiana, there, Louisiana is home to a rare pink dolphin. There is a bottlenose dolphin named Pinky um, that was first spotted in 2007. It got its name from its surprising pink color, which is likely the result of a genetic condition. And that's all I have. Interesting. That's really cool. Pinky. That's Pinky. not very... I mean, oh. it's not very creative, but... It I gets mean, the point across, I guess. It gets the point across. <laughs> and it really is... Pink. pink. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so mine is... Dads who truly outdated themselves. This is from 2018. My dad is vacuuming while chewing sunflower seeds, and he's spitting them out right in front of the vacuum oh my God. <laughs> to clean them up as he goes. I have so much still to learn from this man that gave me life. <laughs> you do! Chewy! Spitting them out so he can suck them up. You know, it actually would make vacuuming more fun. It would. It would feel gratifying to do that. Poo! Yeah. Poop. Yeah. Oh my, that is a, <laughs> such a dad move. It is. <clears throat> Thought I was meowing back to my cat for the past hour. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out it was just me and my dad meowing at each other from different rooms of the house. <laughs> <laughs> the cat's going, what the hell? I know, like, where was the cat? <laughs> Ignoring both of them and sleeping in the sun. Yeah, rolling its right. eyes. Right. <laughs> My dad was just introduced to Venmo. So Venmo is like a, a money transfer type of service where, like, I can Venmo you money if I need to give you money for something, and it just goes into your Venmo account, and then you can use that to... Like PayPal? Something, yeah, something like okay. that. So my dad was just introduced to Venmo, and it's the worst thing ever. He just requested $50 for, quote, 2001 T-ball registration fee. <laughs> <laughs> that is... Great. <laughs> that you didn't use. Right. <laughs> My dad rates the complexity of a shopping list by how many phone calls home he thinks it will take. My parents are hosting a dinner party tonight, and he looks at the list my mom gave him and says, Whoa, this is a five-caller for sure. 
Um, one time my friend Brandon's dad and mom were in a heated argument in the car, and she took his Kid Rock CD out of the player and threw it out the window with rage. He looked at her dead in the eyes and pulled out a second copy of the same CD and put it back in the player. <laughs> what? Just in case something should happen? Yep. And Always prepared. Always prepared. Can I just tell you, and, uh, you know, always prepared with things that suit, that are really of interest <laughs> to you. Right. Don't have a tissue. Right. Nope. Don't have any, don't have chapstick. Yeah, nothing uh, reasonable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A second Kid Rock CD. Oh, my God. Uh, Unwrapped. Ready to go. Ready to go, Yep. I asked my dad to help me replace the motherboard on my Xbox, and he just said, do I look like I'm a rocket scientist? My dad worked for NASA. (laughs) (laughs) There's a man in Starbucks holding a bound stack of papers like you print off at Office Depot, and he's proudly and loudly telling the couple near him that that he's reading his daughter's thesis. Quote, she just graduated with a master's degree. Historical preservation. It's so cute. (laughs) Uh... That's going to be a... Uh, that's going to be a dull read. <laughs> is your dad really your dad if he doesn't say who after talking about any of your friends, even if he's known them for literally seven years? <laughs> who? Who? Dating who? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I remember them. <laughs> Last one. My dad just called and said, I see you. Last one to Papa's Pizza loses. He's going like 90 in a 55, gets pulled over. I'm dying because he's going to get a ticket and I'm going to win. Next thing I know, this man flies by me and is getting a police escort to Papa's Pizza. Oh, (laughs) my God. That is not right. I'm so done. (laughs) Uh, Can you imagine? Only a dad would do that. Would think to con... Well, you know the officer had to have been a dad also, because or else you wouldn't have fallen for it. And what kind of... What, a terrible example. Yeah. She's going to so pay, funny. though. <laughs> She's going to be paying for supper. 